We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome back. I'm sure many of you will recognize that music back in the late 50s and 60s. The music of Herb Alpert was everywhere. His jazz trumpet and Tijuana brass ensemble had a very distinctive sound, as you've just heard. Over the years, Alpert sold 72 million albums, garnered nine Grammys, and started a successful record company. And he married a talented Grammy Award-winning singer, Lonnie Hall. But like many creative people, he was not one-dimensional, now, the kudos are coming because of his art. He is a highly regarded expressionist artist and sculptor, and he's bringing his mixed-media exhibition and his trumpet to the Grandel on Sunday. Herb Alpert joins me by phone. Herb, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. Hey, thanks, Don Marsh. Nice talking to you. I just want to thank you for being the soundtrack of my youth. Love listening well, to your it was music. The soundtrack of my youth too. And <laughs> I started playing trumpet when I was eight. <laughs> eight years old. That's, I'm not going to ask uh, how long ago that was, but it was a while back, wasn't it? Well, I'm 83. If you if you if you want to know. Well, I wasn't going to be so indelicate as to ask, but uh, 83. Oh, well, you're, hey, and you're still going you gotta, strong. If you do the math, it comes out to 83. <laughs> yeah. What dominates your world today? Is it your music or is it your art? You know, I love all three. I'm a, I'm a right brain guy. I'm like 85% on the right side of my head. So I wake up each morning and I practice the horn a bit and I do a little sculpting, uh, paint. Uh, you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I have uh, my, my passion is my art. And I, that's why I, I think it's important for kids to have that experience at an early age. And you're doing a lot of work for kids. Your philanthropic work is is well-known and very, very important to you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, all kids have creative energy, and I think we just have to help them explore it because, you know, they don't have to learn how to play the trumpet. They could, they could write poetry, dance, you know, sculpt, paint, whatever they choose to do, get off the creative energy. And if they do it long enough, they start getting a little excited about mm, their own uniqueness. And if they can appreciate their own, own uniqueness, hopefully they can appreciate the uniqueness in others. Tell us a little bit about the work you did in this regard in, in New York, in Harlem. Uh, I know that's got a lot of attention. Well, it's quite a project for us because uh, in 2010, I saw an article in, in the paper that said that the uh, Harlem Center was going to close. They were closing their doors, lack of funds, and uh, they were, you know, just wrapping it up. And I was thinking, man, how could that? How could that happen in such a important part of the country, a, a, an area where so many great artists have lived and flourished and created? And so I jumped into it, and I had a knee-jerk reaction to it. Um, found out, you know, what, what the problems were. I had, you know, I have a terrific a woman who runs the Herb Alpert Foundation. And so we did a lot of research, and we uh, propped them up. We got the doors back open. And uh, it's one of the most beautiful projects because it's flourishing right now. 
because we changed, uh, you know, some of the components there and brought in some new people. And it just helps so many hundreds and hundreds of kids. It's uh, it's a lovely project that I'm going to do a sizzle reel on it. So it's like exhibit A of what could happen in various parts of the country, actually. Well, that's a great project. Uh, congratulations to you for, for pulling that off so well. Yeah, I, I've read, Herb, in conjunction with uh, your art, uh, someone wrote that stylistically your art and your music are similar, and I, I'm just wondering how that's possible. Well, I think, you know, we all kind of create from uh, an internal place, and uh, I can't identify. You know, the beauty for me of the arts in general is that there's a mystery to it. You know, what makes that thing that, you know, you listen to a song on the radio and you, you love it, but you don't know why. You don't, okay, I like the melody. Okay, so now what? I, I like the lyric and I like, you know, you can't really get right down to what it is that moves you when you hear a piece of music or when you see a sculpture or a painting or someone dancing. You know, it's that mystery that uh, it's very personal and it's, uh, it's very seductive. I think that's the thing that keeps me going. There, there, you know, like Dizzy Gillespie was a friend of mine, and Dizzy used to say, "Man, the closer I get, the farther it looks." <laughs> you, you know, the uh, the the music uh, changes, and I suppose art changes as well. Have you kind of evolved in in both areas over these uh, last years? Oh man, yeah! I started painting like a a monkey. You know, I was just throwing colors around with my fingers, you know, like a elephant does with his trunk. And that, that was like in 1970. And then it, I started seeing little things that uh, I thought I could improve on. And by doing it every day, most every day, um, it just changed. It just changed organically. And I, I'm just having a great time doing it. And I, I, I don't do it for any other reason than it, it, it feeds me. It gives me, keeps me uh, buoyant, keeps my energy flow happening. I'm excited to wake up in the morning and, and, and attack the uh, painting or sculpture that I'm working on and music that I'm working on. It's, I, w- I wish more people would have that opportunity. Have you drawn your wife into this web of yours, or this uh, music and art web? Well, my wife is an angel. My wife changed my life. You know, in 1966, I auditioned... Uh, Sergio Mendez in Brazil, 66, for the for A&M Records. And that's how I met my wife. And we became friends, and we were friends for, for some time before anything else happened. And we've been married for 44 years, so she's, she's something special. I, I, I treasure her. Do you perform a lot together? We've, we've been performing together for the last 12 years with the same group, and it's a terrific show. I mean, it really has, it's full-bodied. I do a little Tijuana Brass medley. Lonnie will do a a little Brazil 66 retrospective, but surrounding that, it's very, you know, songs that I like to play. Um, There's some visuals. We have some, uh, you know, pictures from the past and videos that I've done that we uh, we play, and I don't know. I just have a good time doing it. It's not like the same thing every night. It's not a cookie cutter uh, show. It's something that's it's creative each time we do it. 
we want to give our audience an opportunity to hear a little bit of you and, and Lonnie. We have a, a clip of Moondance that, that we'll play in just a moment. But I think I mentioned early on that you're going to be here this weekend. It's actually the 19th uh, when That's all of right. this is happening. Yeah. Well, let's listen, right. let's listen to a little bit of, uh, of Moondance with you and your wife. Lonnie Hall with Herb Alpert. Uh, a little, a little sounds something like uh, like a Brazil '66 there. Well, it has little elements of everything. You know, uh, the, you know the interesting part of of music in the in the Western lexicon is that there are only twelve notes. We're all playing the same twelve notes that Mozart had, <laughs> Beethoven had those same twelve notes, Thelonious Monk had those notes. Miles Davis had those notes. You know what I mean? How many different ways those notes can be scrambled up and be different? It's it's, it's amazing. You know, you're. But you know, you're, we know what you asked before, and I I didn't get the complete uh, thought in mind. You know, I think music and art it resonates not in the eyes but in the soul. You know, when you when you hear something you like and when you see an, a piece of art that touches you, you 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 get it. Uh, you know, your body tells you what it likes. And uh, I think that's a very important ingredient for to, not to be too analytical about everything that happens in the art world, just to feel it. It's all about a feel. This is radio, of course, and we can't see your art, although I'm sure we'll put some of it on our website uh, a little later in the day. But but how would you describe it? Describe something of which you're particularly proud. Well, it's honest. It's It's authentic. It's me. It's not trying to please anyone. I'm trying to please myself first. I've always approached art that way, my music that way. I, I feel if it's fun for me to play, it might be fun for some other people to listen to. And that's how I approach it. I don't I don't think about it being uh, something for others. I think it's, it's something for me and others seem to like it. How did the, the music part of your life get started, Herb? I, I seem to remember as a young man reading that you um, you, you started in a garage. Is that correct? Well, you know, I started in my grammar school. You know, I was eight years old, and there was a music appreciation class in my grammar school. And there was a table filled with instruments. I happened to pick up the trumpet. I couldn't make a sound out of it. I thought you'd just blow hot air into the, into the mouthpiece. But when I finally did, this trumpet was talking for me, because I'm a card-carrying introvert. And as a kid, I was even, you know, more severe. It was, uh, this trumpet was making noise for me, and it was talking for me. It was saying things I couldn't get out of my mouth. And so we became really, really good friends, because uh, obviously it changed my life. And 
I can't stop thanking it enough. But in the early days, that experience in the, in the early days of recording, did that start in a garage? I have a, a, a memory of that, but perhaps I'm wrong, as I often am. Yeah, no, it always starts start in the garage. I had a garage that was a soundproof garage. I had a, I built a, a room inside a room, which allowed me to go out to my garage and blow the horn or do whatever I want to do at any time of the day or night. Nobody would, I wouldn't bother anyone. And so the Lonely Bull came about, and that was the first record um, that really struck gold, 1962, and it was the first record that. Um, uh, A&M put out, A&M, Alpert and Moss. And, uh, you know, I had interesting experiences at uh, the bullfights in Tijuana. And I tried to translate that feeling into a sound, and that's the Lonely Bull came out. And the, and the beautiful thing of the Lonely Bull, you know, when it was top ten in the country, it took off like a rocket ship, by the way, but when it was top ten, I got a letter from a lady in Germany who said, Dear Mr. Alpert, Thank you for sending me on this vicarious trip to Tijuana. And I chuckled when I saw it, and then I thought, wow, man, that, that, that music was so visual for her. It transported her. And I, and I said, that's the type of music I want to make. I want to make music that takes you someplace, and takes me someplace. We, we've had some emails from people who are basically saying the same things. And I had a, a conversation this morning with uh, the producer, Alex Hoyer, of this program. And he was saying that when he was growing up, his parents' uh, Saturday morning was cleaning day. They would put on the album Whipped Cream, and uh, they would clean to it. <laughs> and uh, I guess um, I guess that place was sparkling clean after hearing some of them and remembering some of the music on that album. Well, the music is on that album is uh, it's it's upbeat. I think it's on the high upside of life, and it's I think it's it's, it's a fun listen to. And I think most of my music uh, falls in that category. I wasn't trying to make music that made you feel good, bad. I mean, I was no, trying no. to make music that made my made me feel good, and then consequently, other people felt the same way. I mean, well, I'll tell you what made me feel good, and that was the album cover. And we had someone writing in asking you to asking me to ask you about the whipped cream lady on the cover of that album. Well, you're not the only one that's mentioned it. I mean, through the years, mm -hmm. I don't know how many people have come up to me and asked me that same question. Uh, I'll, I'll, I tell this in concert, actually, because it happened. I mean, this guy came up to me about a month and a half. It might have been two months after Whipped Cream album was released. And the guy says, Mr. Alpert, that album cover, I love it. I think it's the best cover I've ever seen. I love the girl. I love the Whipped Cream. I like the way it looks, the whole thing. I said, well, thank you very much. What about the music? <laughs> he says, well, I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, whose idea was that cover? Well, it was our art director, Peter Warf. God bless him. You know, I, I didn't even like it when I first saw it, because I was in the studio recording the Whipped Cream album, and I, when I saw that cover, I, was, I didn't know if it uh, related to what I was doing musically, but my partner, Jerry Moss, talked me into it, and uh, I'm glad he did, because it, it turned out to be an iconic cover. For people who haven't seen it, and I can't believe there are many on the planet who haven't, it's a beautiful young lady who is uh, clothed entirely in whipped cream. What else? And well, he... it was actually sh shaving cream. But, uh, <laughs> she had some whipped cream on top of her head and on her finger. But, uh, yeah, no, she was beautiful and still is beautiful. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy all that came about. 
How many people do you think, uh, Herb Alpert, that you brought to prominence through A&M Records and through uh, your own performing? A lot of people who are very recognizable owe a lot to you. Well, I don't know. There's talented people. You know, uh, it's it's all about timing. You have to be at the right place at the right time, no matter how much talent you have. And if you're lucky to have, get that timing right uh, and you're prepared, you can walk through the door. But we've, you know, had a lot of artists that, um, you know, for instance, the Carpenters. I signed the Carpenters in 1970, and... They were on around to every record company uh, in Los Angeles, and never, they were rejected. But I signed them because I heard something special. I just heard something uh, that that voice of hers really knocked me out. It was reminded me of uh, in high school. I was just used to listen to Patty Page and in that particular era, and and her voice was was beautiful. Of course, we had Sting and the Police and Quincy Jones and Janet Jackson and. Yeah, the list goes on. The list goes on and on, and, and it's just, um, it was a beautiful ride for us, because maybe there's another conversation, but I recorded for a major company before A&M Records, and I, was, I didn't like the way they treated me. I, I wasn't treated like an artist. I was treated like a number. And uh, I was 38256, take <laughs> two, you know. Yeah. And that, that just, I felt like, if, why have I have my, a chance to have my own record company? I was certainly... Uh, created around the artists, and that's what we did. Going back to Karen Carpenter, it's really hard to believe that anybody would have turned her down because that voice was so distinctive, so pure, uh, and such a tragedy the way it all ended for her. Oh, she was a doubt. She was. She had no idea how many people she touched in such a positive way. She was a wonderful artist. If you had, uh, you know, <laughs> there are times I'd go up and ask her, Karen, what do you really... What's your strength? What do you like to do? She says, I'm a drummer. <laughs> a drummer. <laughs> she, she used to, you know, when I met them, she was playing drums. I'll be darned. I didn't know that. And she was a darn good drummer, too. Uh, on the Close to You record, uh, we didn't use Karen because uh, we recorded that record a couple times. And the last time we used the Wrecking Crew with uh, Hal Blaine on drums huh. and Joe Osborne on bass. So that kind of changed that. We, we had a, a, a questioner here, a listener who is streaming this in Albany, New York, by the way, asks if you have any recent contact with Richard Carpenter. Are you still close? Oh, yeah. I, I talked to him now and then. He played on my Christmas album that I did with orchestra and choir. In fact, he did uh, one of the arrangements, the vocal arrangements on uh, uh, Merry Christmas, baby, Merry mm. Christmas, darling. He talented young... A, a song that he wrote. He's very talented, and I often, you know, when people ask me about the Carpenters, who were fans of the Carpenters, it wasn't just Karen. She had a lovely voice there, that's for sure. But uh, Richard knew what to do. He knew how to get the most out of her. He had great taste for songs. He's, he was an, he's an excellent musician, and he uh, did some wonderful arrangements, and, and uh, he, it was the combination of the two. Well, Herb Alpert, I know a lot of people are looking forward to your appearance here with Lonnie on the 19th at 7 o'clock at the Grandel. It's going to be a great evening, and you're going to have your artwork on display that entire weekend. So that's wonderful. I want to thank yeah, you so no, much. I'm for... excited about that. I think uh, people will enjoy my work. It's, it's, I think it's good, <laughs> if I must say so myself. You'll have a full house. You know, thank... I, you know, I only say that not... You know, if you don't believe what you're doing is good, why should anyone else believe it? 
Thank you so much, Herb Allen, for being with us. Enjoyed talking to you. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. It's a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thanks for listening. I'm Don Marsh.